Dr. Geneva Speaks. Thank you for tuning in to Dr. Geneva Speaks, where you'll hear amazing leaders from across the nation and around the world. Your host, Dr. Geneva Williams, a cutting-edge, transformational leadership coach, hopes and believes this show will enlighten, entertain, and inspire you to make a difference in the world. So listen up as Dr. Geneva Speaks. Well, hello, and welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm just so delighted to be here again for another fantastic uh, show, and we're just delighted today to continue our conversation about leadership, and today we're going to be exploring uh, developing a legacy of leaders. And, you know, that's so important, important for the next generation. You'll recall in my conversations last time with Dr. Phyllis Meadows and talking about what was happening in Flint, Michigan. And we were talking about, well, where are the leaders and how do leaders feel being in Flint? And she talked about a, she said, well, the leaders are there. Perhaps it's, it's really more of, of uh, leadership fatigue and as we talked about this whole issue of leadership fatigue, we really focused on how important it was to develop this new generation, a legacy of leaders. And today I'm so delighted because joining us to talk about that and other really, really important parts of leadership is Kevin Wayne Johnson. Now, Kevin is a John Maxwell team certified speaker, teacher, coach, and mentor. And he's also the New York Times bestselling author, a speaker, and a pastor. He's written many books primarily focused on leadership, so I'm delighted he's with us today. He's a professional in government as well as private industry, and for 30 years he's performed successfully in numerous middle and senior level positions in various areas such as workforce development, organizational change, customer relations. He's worked with the Departments of the Treasury, the government in D.C., Washington, D.C., the Administrative Office of the U.S. Courts. He's worked with the Department of Army. Um, He's testified before the United States House of Representatives uh, Committee on Small Businesses, and he just has a wealth of information. He's a graduate of the U.S. Department of Agriculture Graduate School Executive Potential Program. And as he worked with uh, the Department of Ag- Agriculture, he also assisted the Office of Federal Procurement Policy with several reform initiatives that were part of the Clinton administration. He's active in community service, a member of many professional and civic organizations. His publications, The Give Glory to God, is an eight-book series of books and devotionals that offers uh, readers a terrific uh, array of best-selling, inspirational, and thought-provoking nuggets and of wisdom, and I'm hoping to get many of those nuggets of wisdom today as we welcome Kevin Wayne Johnson. Thank you, Kevin, for being with us. Well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate the invitation. Um, I am really honored at the opportunity to be able to have a conversation with your listening audience, so the thanks goes to you, and uh, look look forward to a phenomenal show. Well, thank you. And so, Kevin, you know, I've, I've gone through some of your uh, background, but help our audience get to know you, Kevin Johnson. Tell us about you. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll keep it as simple as I can, uh, Dr. Geneva, because that's pretty much how I like to roll. I'm, I'm a native of Richmond, Virginia, grew up in Richmond, uh, I have one sibling, a, a brother that's three and a half years younger than I am. Uh, my dad served 20 years in the United States Marine Corps, and mom served as a uh, federal servant uh, with the federal government. And in part, that's why I've served for 20 years in the federal government. Um, I had a I had a praying grandmother. My maternal grandmother was a praying woman. She uh, she made God clear and visible to me from the time I was a little fellow. 
So uh, when I was eight years old, she touched me on my head one summer and told me I was going to be a preacher. And uh, I had okay. I had no idea what that meant, but she she planted some seeds, which later in life um, developed and grew and uh, helped me to become the man that I've become. And uh, I've been married for 23 years now to um, mm-hmm. to one wife, and I mm-hmm. have uh, three sons. My oldest son is at Howard University in Washington D.C. My middle son is at How- uh, Hampton University in Hampton, Virginia. And uh, my baby boy is still finishing up high school and um, love all of them to death. And uh, they taught me how to be a servant leader. And they've taught me so much. Being a dad and being a husband is a, is a true joy uh, in my life, in addition to being a minister of the gospel and having a long government career where I've had a chance to manage people and serve as an executive, et cetera, et cetera. But, I give all the glory to God. That's where it, that's what it's all about. That's where it all comes from. And I'm just excited to have the opportunity to share uh, with different people, not only in my local area, but also regionally, nationally. And uh, God has even given me an international platform uh, to help people understand when we take focus off of ourselves and we dedicate 100% of our energy to serve others. That's where true fulfillment comes. Uh, and that's what leadership is all about, uh, serving other people. And uh, I trust that's what we'll have a conversation to talk about for the next uh, 58 minutes. So that's a little bit about mm-hmm. me, and uh, that's who I am, uh, humble beginnings, and I try to stay humble in everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Well, take me back. You mentioned your it was your grandmother who uh, encouraged you, who I think you said you were eight years old, and and she she touched you, reached out to you, and said that you were going to be a, a preacher. Tell us a little bit about your childhood. Did you have a leadership? What was your first leadership experience that you can recall? Uh, it, it starts in the family. Um, I mm-hmm. have a special needs brother, just like I have okay. a special needs son. And mom mm-hmm. and dad counted on me when they weren't around because they were out earning bread for us to eat. They counted on me to be a leader at home and and to take care of my younger brother. He's three and a half years younger than I am. Uh, Because of his mental disability, he was not able to really care for himself. So uh, I began very, very early on, probably around the age two, three, maybe four years of age, looking after my baby brother. Um, You know, my parents were wondering why he couldn't talk and why he couldn't process certain things and why he couldn't communicate. And um, I was basically pushed into... Uh, an area where I was there to help. I was that I was that third arm, if you would, to help him out, and and it's been that way all through life. And later on in life, as as I got married and I became a father for the third time, uh, it happened again. Almost the exact mm-hmm. same issue, uh, mental disability, and I've been a servant and a leader, right in my family, um, meeting the needs and and enjoying life and being fulfilled from that perspective. So that's mm-hmm. it, it. Just like everything, Doctor Geneva. Everything, for the most part, starts in the home, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we don't we don't need to have a mentality that we have to go out and save the world because there's over seven billion people on the planet. But we can make the world a much better place by starting right at home, and I and and mm-hmm. I tr- I truly believe that, and I teach that, and I preach it, and I live it as an example uh, to show others how to do it, why we should do it, and the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I do agree with you. Much that we do and learn and what we value, it comes from the home and who's who's surrounded us and given us that kind of guidance. Who 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 was the most influential person when you were a youngster growing up for you to you? Yeah, I, I would have to say my dad. Uh, my dad was the natural example that I could see day in and day out in terms of, um, you know, what it meant to be a male, uh, what it mm-hmm. meant later on in life to be a man. I, I could mm-hmm. see it. Um, he gave me examples, and he would show me exactly what to do and how to do it. Uh, he taught me how to be masculine, how to be firm, how to be bold, and ultimately how to be a leader. Uh, because he was a Marine, so a U.S. Marine, they're disciplined, okay. mm-hmm. and, um, yes. you know, every, every shirt is ironed, <laughs> every pair <laughs> of pants is ironed, you get your hair cut every week, uh, uh-huh. no, no kidding around, and he always taught me, be prepared, that, that was Dad's mm-hmm. motto, 
I was okay. just with him. I was just with him this past weekend. He he's 77, and uh, uh-huh. I'm 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 sort of teasing him now. You know, be prepared. You always taught me mm-hmm. to be prepared, mm-hmm. and so that that was the genesis, if you would, of, of learning um, how to be. Uh, the Kevin Johnson that God had created long before I even knew my purpose, long before I mm-hmm. knew his plans for my life, long before I knew that one day I would step on that path that had already been laid for me to walk and, mm-hmm. and, and be a difference maker and be a world changer. So dad, dad was, was number one. Mom, right behind him, because mom was mm-hmm. the nurturer. Okay. Mom loved me. Uh, gave me a, a great dose of self-confidence and, and self-esteem, always taught me to keep my head up and keep my shoulders straight and, 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 and my back as I walked out the house every day. She was the shining example that made sure that I was in church uh, every Sunday as a youngster in Sunday school and very actively mm-hmm. involved with the youth group, going mm-hmm. up into the pulpit and having the confidence to say the prayer and to read the scripture. Uh, and it was her mom, Granny, my maternal grandmother, uh, was the one that instilled the spirituality in me because she's the one that told me uh, at the age of eight that I would be a preacher long right. before I had any idea of what that meant. So mm-hmm. I give both of them the credit. I give mm-hmm. I give my mom's side of the family the credit for my spiritual growth, and mm-hmm. I give my dad's side of the family uh, the credit for my natural growth. And then the mm-hmm. both have come together and they have complemented one another. And so um, I can be effective in both lanes at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so did you – so take us to grammar school, elementary school, or high school. Can you remember any examples of where you had to be a leader uh, or the, the leadership role was either thrust upon you or you – took it on yourself in those early days of your schooling? Yeah, well, I'll share with you, Dr. Geneva, and also your listening audience. Um, There's one example that I use on a regular basis, and I use this example um, in a a variety of different audiences and different venues because it's something that can relate to just about everybody, man, woman, boy, girl, tall, short, etc. When I was in the 11th grade in high school, because of how I had been taught and because I had a strong father figure in the home, uh, I knew not to get in trouble with the law. And I, and, I, and I knew it fundamentally and philosophically because getting in trouble with the law has dire consequences way beyond the thought process of a 16-year-old that's in the 11th grade in high school. Mm-hmm. It goes it goes beyond just disobeying the rule or the order of the police officer and having handcuffs put on you and you taken down to the precinct to be processed. It has a life it has a lifetime impact in terms of you having a record, your ability or your inability to get a job, your ability or your inability to get a clearance, your ability or inability to vote your ability or your inability to be able to care for your family and for yourself. Uh, I understood that because Dad taught me that. Mm-hmm. And so one afternoon in the 11th grade on the school bus, some of the buddies that I was hanging out with, and they, they weren't close friends, but mm-hmm. at, at this time in your life there's a lot of peer pressure mm-hmm. and you're looking to please people. Right. Well, my buddies decided to be disruptive and they decided mm-hmm. to go against what the bus driver was asking them to do. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, the consequence was, well, the police would come and deal with the situation. Mm-hmm. And so the police came to deal with the situation. There were about six of us. And five of the six, because I stayed behind, uh, <laughs> were, were invited to step off the bus and come have a conversation with the police officers. Mm-hmm. And it was a confrontation because the police officers were asking a simple question. Are you going to comply, or do I need to arrest you and take you downtown? Mm-hmm. And the, at that age, with all the testosterone that's, that's, that's going back and forth and the other hormones that you can't control, these guys decided, we're going to be disruptive, we're going to disobey, and we're, and we're going to go downtown. We, we think it's funny. We think it's cute. We think it's humorous. I stayed on the bus 
because well, I realized that the yeah, pain that's, that's, <laughs> that I would endure okay. from Dad would be much worse than the pain that I could endure from the police officer. So I yeah, stayed I behind. Ask, I was going to ask how come you stayed on the bus. That's exactly why. <laughs> okay. Now, you, you're, but see, your question is, well, how does that, what does that have to do with leadership? Well, there's other people, boys and girls, on the bus watching. And they needed to see an example of a leader that's watching the crowd but choosing to go in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Leadership, leadership has everything to do with making intelligent choices uh, as we go forward than just about anything else. It's just, it's just as powerful than when you actually make a choice versus not making a choice. Because once we make right. that choice, we're, we're not in control of the consequences. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, I have not, and because I'm in a military family, we moved around a lot. So I, I have not had any other contact with those five guys that stepped off of the bus. Uh-huh. But knowing, knowing their pattern of behavior, um, there's a strong possibility that they may have lived a lifestyle in that same manner, and uh, they might still be in that same neighborhood because of the choices that they made when they were in high school. Um, whereas because I had a strong father figure in the home who taught me better, I led by based, based upon what he taught me, and then all of these years later I can, I can talk about it and use it as an example so that people will, will distinguish between right and wrong. So that's a leadership attribute that I applied in the 11th grade, and I use that example, like I said earlier, in a lot of different audiences and different mm-hmm. venues because a lot of people can relate to that. And that's, mm-hmm. why, I said, that's why I said earlier, and I, and I stick to it, it all starts in the home. If you want mm-hmm. great leaders to make an impact in this world, men and women, I encourage you to start at home with your children. Teach them great leadership skills, great decision-making skills in the home so that when you let them go out into the world, it will stick with them, and they'll be the ones out leading and not the ones following. Mm-hmm. So, Kevin, you know, Okay, so tell me, I think that's a great um, leadership nugget, a great story, and I love how you, you know, can bring it to the things we as leaders have to learn and do. But I'm I'm curious, what was going through your mind? Can you remember during that time? I mean, did you make a conscious decision to be a leader in that moment, or were there other things running through your mind? And I ask because oftentimes we get um, questions, particularly from young leaders, about, you know, how do you make those decisions on what to do when? And sometimes making those decisions requires a lot of forethought or a lot of courage, or how do you do that? So, what was going through your mind at that time? Were you making a conscious leadership decision or were you just, you know, kind of saying, well, you know, I want to stay on this bus so I can stay out of trouble. Um, <laughs> and and then, you know, after a while, kind of look back and say, oh, well, there's some things that, you know, I learned about leadership. Yeah, I, I would say, Dr. Geneva, in all honesty, at the age of 16 in the 11th grade, uh, it was the latter. I was not okay. thinking about I was not thinking about leadership skills per se. I was uh-huh. thinking about applying what I had learned at home. And I uh-huh. was thinking about okay. the fact that I had a dad at home mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was going to tear me up um mm-hmm. through my disobedience because I knew better. And see that's mm-hmm. that's what's so key, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. The, the, you know, we deal with this with our men, teaching mm-hmm. our men to be men. And, uh-huh. and, and and then being a loving father to our daughters and, and a loving father to our sons because the earlier we can help them to distinguish between right and wrong, the earlier we can help them to make great decisions because uh-huh. we're, we're, not, we're not conscious of the consequence at the age of 16. And exactly. so I was just thinking about being obedient, quite frankly. Uh-huh. Uh, now, uh-huh. had I made a different decision, if I had had a different home life, I don't know. 
I don't know, but I can mm-hmm. I can say this. I know for a fact that the majority of those guys who got themselves in trouble that day did not have strong father figures in their home. I know that mm-hmm. for a fact. Mm-hmm. And it does make mm-hmm. a difference. It does mm-hmm. make a difference. So no, I wasn't thinking about leadership per se at in that particular moment. I was I was more concerned about staying out of trouble. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but then you were able to as you went along in life be able to kind of look back and 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 learn from those lessons. So you mentioned earlier that um um you know, before you found your purpose, I think we were talking about um, what happened to you at a very young age where your grandmother had said, you know, she kind of laid out the course for you and what she saw. And um, I think you mentioned you had gone through various stages before you found your purpose. Tell us a little bit about your leadership journey and what brought you to where you are now as a John Maxwell certified speaker, teacher, coach, mentor. Wow, that's a that's a loaded one, Doctor Geneva. That's all right, but I think you can handle it. <laughs> I, think I think I can, handle, can it. handle it. Uh huh. <laughs> well, um, I can I can say with with utmost certainty when when I think back at the beginning and the genesis, um, I, I had an epiphany, quite frankly, as a sophomore in college. So I'm, I'm a graduate okay. of Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, okay. Virginia. That's that's my hometown, and so is my okay. wife. And mm-hmm. it's, it's interestingly enough, your, your question is so appropriate because this past weekend, um, all of the alumni get together over the years, and we have our annual Virginia Commonwealth University Alumni Association reunion weekend, the mm-hmm. third weekend in April every year. So, And one of the things that we've created, my wife co-founded it with one of her good buddies who now lives down in North Carolina, uh, we've established a mentoring circle. And so we've been challenging our graduates to transition from the Saturday night dance because, you know, we did that 50 years ago, and that's transition to giving back to the next generation and helping them to be the next group of world changers through mentoring. That's deposit into the lives of the next generation of leaders, and it's been very, very, very successful. And so when I was a sophomore on the Virginia Commonwealth University campus, having just pledged a fraternity and watching my grades drop, I decided, I decided for, and I don't know how it happened, but I remember that it did happen. I remembered all that I had learned from my parents and from my grandparents, and I got my act together, and I decided as a sophomore, second semester sophomore, that I was going to get serious. I'm going to, I'm going to hit the books I'm going to be a dynamic student. I'm going to turn this thing around. I'm going to graduate on time. I'm going to make my family proud, and I'm going to do great things. I didn't know what great things were at the time. Uh, at that time, great things to me was being a banking executive. That's that's what I wanted okay. to be at the time. But something hit me. I don't know what, but I do remember when, second semester sophomore, and that okay. was the beginning of me deciding that I'm going to do great and phenomenal things. I'm going to make a difference in this world. I'm going to be a phenomenal son to my parents. One day I'm going to be a great husband to my wife, and I'm going to be a dynamic father to my children long before it even happens. And I called it into existence, and it happened. And lo and mm-hmm. behold, I graduated uh, from Virginia Commonwealth University uh, on May 14, 1983, uh, one year later, I began my government career part-time in October of 83 and then full-time in July of 1984. And throughout my journey in the federal government, I came in as an intern. Uh, I received a number of promotions pretty rapidly, and through those promotions, I received visibility and exposure. That led to speaking engagements. That led to writing assignments. That led to testimony before the uh, the House of Representatives. That led before uh, getting accepted into these executive potential programs and development programs on my way to serving as a mid-level manager, a senior level manager, and then at the senior executive level. 
uh, in government. And then one thing just led to another, and what was happening is I was gaining the favor of God, and I was gaining the favor of different people in my career field because things that were happening really weren't supposed to be happening, especially so young uh, in an African-American male's uh, career in the federal government. And so I was just walking that path that God had laid for me, and I was meeting key people in government. And meeting those key people, they would give me a call, and I would be with them, and I would sit next to them as I'm giving testimony uh, on behalf of other people in my career field. And then what happened to me, specifically in 1993, that's when my spiritual awakening happened. Uh, May 2nd, 1993, in the middle of my government career, because I had been in the government Uh now for 15 years, so that's about halfway through to get to retirement, and then that's when the salvation experience came and I had my spiritual awakening. Uh And and, and now now God is tapping on the door saying, uh, I want you to give me glory. You've been given Uh your vocation and your profession glory, but I want you to give me glory. And then that was the beginning of my ministry leadership. And so I went through ministry training and I became a deacon and I became the president of a Bible school and I became uh, an adjunct professor and I became uh, a prayer warrior and I became other ministry leaders and then I became an associate pastor uh, to the point where I'm now a senior pastor. So I've been I've been doing both. I've been on a dual path uh, for Mm -hmm. the past 15 years and, and I've been able to work it out and it's all tied to being a leader, working with people, having relational uh, relationships, uh, more so horizontal, more so than vertical, understanding leadership, what it's, what it's all about, uh, helping people to achieve their goals and their dreams and their aspirations. And then lo and behold, having read John Maxwell's work for many, many, many years, knowing that he was a pastor, Uh, knowing for the past seven years he's been the number one leadership guru on the planet, seven years running. Um, I've gotten connected with him, and I've gone through uh, his curriculum. I've gone through his international certification program, where I'm now actually teaching the John Maxwell team uh, leadership. All right. All right. Well, we give you a great applause for that because I think it's a you know, it's a terrific, terrific leadership journey. So tell me, you know, through your journey, this leadership journey, through, you know, getting this epiphany in as a sophomore in college and laying out your goals and how you wanted to achieve them um, all the way through your government work in various levels, being recognized, moving, moving, and grooving, what, what did you learn? What, give me the top two things that you learned about leadership through your journey so far. Uh, number one, by far, you can't get there on your own. Mm, okay. That's, Say the, a little that's more. the number that one. You need you need people all around you to help you in those areas where your weaknesses are glaring, but you may not be aware. Because we okay. see, we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses, and we all have problems. It's, it's the same mm-hmm. thing in all of the local churches as well. Mm-hmm. But to think that you or I could achieve a level of success on our own, we need to help people to debunk that myth. So that's number one, by far. You cannot do it alone. And number two, and and now that's in the natural. In the spirit realm, because, again, I'm both. I'm wearing both hats. You you, you cannot do it without God. Can't do it. Okay. And and Mm -hmm. so that means means constant and consistent and persistent prayer. Uh, That means demonstrating ethics and integrity and having character in everything that you do because you are you are a representate we are a representation of who he is because he created us and so you cannot you cannot achieve any level of success by yourself 
It's just not going to happen. Okay. Number one. Okay. Number two, and it's not these. These are not necessarily in order. Uh, but, mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't, and you can't do it without God because He's the one that's mm-hmm. created you. So He's a so He's our source, and so He knows us intimately, and we have mm-hmm. to be connected with Him. Those, mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Geneva, are 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 my top two. Now, there's 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 many many others as well, but those those are my top two. Now, when when you talk about um, not doing it alone. Is is this? Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Um, this relationship versus tasking—is that what I know? I know you talk about that. Is is that part of this notion about you can't do it alone? I mean, what does that mean? You can't do it alone. You've got to have um, you've got to have some key people in your corner. Okay. Who catch, who catch the vision? Okay. who understand the mission and mm-hmm. and and will help you along the way. Let me I'll, I'll okay. give you a classic example. Great. I I pastor a church. Um I'm the senior pastor. Before that, I served for three and a half years as an associate pastor. Mm-hmm. So while I was the one helping my senior pastor to achieve and visualize the mission and vision that God had given him, I, too, had a team as an associate pastor who surrounded mm-hmm. me because I was mm-hmm. responsible for all discipleship. In other words, all of the training for a 2,000-member church. I was responsible to, mm-hmm. for doing that. And so even though I would undergird the pastor as he would lead, I needed people on my team to help me in areas where I was weak so I could make sure that all of our members had access to discipleship and to training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, I had to lean on the treasurer. I had to lean on the registrar. I had to lean on the prayer team. I had to lean on all these different people because I don't have enough bandwidth to do it all myself. Mm-hmm. So and you're talking if I'm about weak, your, so you're yeah, talking about weak, your team. And yes. the development of your team. Did you find that same experience as you worked in government and private industry? Did you find that to hold true? That is, that leaders need a team that they develop and lean on and work with. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And 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 what we have to do as leaders for our team, we have to make sure that they feel valued. We have to make sure that their accomplishments are recognized privately and publicly. We have to make sure that we put things in place to keep them motivated. We have to keep them inspired and and energetic to want to do what it is that they are supposed to be doing. And so that's part of the leader's job. Now, we... Typically, we are strategic in our thinking, so we're already looking two, three years ahead. But we need a group of people or at least one person that can keep their eye on what's happening on a tactical level. In other words, the day-to-day operations. So while the leader is looking forward a year or two, you need somebody on the team that's also looking day-to-day to make sure that those different um, actions and activities and initiatives don't drop through the, through the crack. That's more than what one person can do. You need a group of people working together as one, having fellowship, having fun, in unity, moving forward with the mission and the vision that the leader casts. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of that has to do with the big R word, relationships. When people feel valued and when people know that their voice will be heard, and when people know that when they put a suggestion forward that the leader will at least consider it, that's part of the leader's duty and responsibility uh, as a part of this team to keep them actively engaged so that mm-hmm. together we're moving out as one. Mm-hmm. And so, so that, that, happens, that happens on the job, that happens in mm-hmm. the family, that happens at the community meeting, that happens at the fraternity meeting, that happens in the church, that happens in the nonprofit organization, that happens at the radio station. I mean, every organization that we're a part of, you can think about it in those terms. That's the job of the leader because the leader can't do it all. The leader may not have the finance expertise. 
so he or she is leaning on the person who does. The leader may not have that expertise in administration or uh, uh, fundraising or any other activities that need to be done to make the organization successful, we need to raise our hands and relinquish and rely on those who who do have that expertise, and that's the job of the leader to do that. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what are the one, two, three steps that um, a leader, and let's perhaps look at a, a, a new or emerging leader, what are the one, two, three steps or strategies that you would say a leader probably needs to use, should use, in developing uh, their team, their staff? Um, I would say, now, of course, Dr. Geneva, that varies from person to person, but I'm going to give you three that mm-hmm. could probably be used universally, but it's gonna it's always going to be uh it's gonna it's gonna vary from person to person. So the first one is this. A leader must understand that they have to always be a learner. A learner. So mm-hmm. if you're not gonna put yourself in a position where you're always learning, then you're not going to be a good leader. Mm-hmm. And that's just basic fundamental foundational elementary teaching that we do you have to always you can never get to the point where you're thinking that just because you're the leader you have arrived no 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 Uh, think about think about this just for just for a quick second i'm going to digress for a quick second so i'm an author Mm -hmm. and one Mm -hmm. of my favorite bookstores has had always been border borders books Mm -hmm. because borders books was so author friendly and every book yes. event that I did at, at at Borders Book across the country, the the manager was outstanding and treated me well. Mm-hmm. Well, technology came on the scene and Borders decided that they wanted to stay brick and mortar and they did not want to convert over to any of the technology devices that people now use to download their books. And lo and behold, Borders is one of those full-service bookstores that had to bite the bullet and they had to close up shop because they chose not to keep up with technology. Yes, and I miss Borders. I used to love Borders. Love them. I could go love in, them to death. Go, I could go in there and stay for hours. They were absolutely awesome. That's right. an example of somebody at the leadership level at Borders okay. decided, nope, We've arrived. We're going to do it our way. We're not going to change. We're not going to learn about what's going on in our society right now. We're good just like we are. We're not doing it. And okay. lo and behold, they had to file bankruptcy, and all of their stores closed, and mm-hmm. and, and, their, and their history because they weren't willing okay. to change. All right? Okay. The, the second thing that I would say to your listening mm-hmm. audience and to everybody that we teach is the toughest person to lead is yourself. Uh-huh. Okay. And 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 I say it that way because a lot of us haven't really taken the time to really understand who we are. Mhm. I mean, we're ha, are are we good followers? I mean, ha, have we you know, before you could become a leader, you have to learn how to follow. And if you're not a good follower, you're not going to be a good leader. Um do you exercise self-control? Do do you have self-discipline? I mean, these are questions. Mm-hmm. Are you patient or are you impatient? And and do you and do you seek out accountability? I mean, in other words, do you, do you have at least one accountability partner? So, I mean, the, these are questions. This is number two. The toughest person to lead is yourself. And and you, so we have to we have to take an introspection of exactly who we are, so that we can understand the dynamics and the principles and what it takes to lead people so that when the time comes for us to lead, we can, in fact, be successful at what we're doing. Okay. Now, before, right. you go on, before you go on to the third one, uh, Kevin, what's an accountability partner? Someone that's going to have an honest conversation, open dialogue, and discussion with you about okay. things that you know you should not be doing. And you can confirm and validate 
through that person that indeed you're not doing it and have that person not be shy to speak truth into your life because most okay. of us most of us haven't had truth spoken into our lives we 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 get offended or we just choose to walk away from it and we and we won't accept it so i'll give you an example i tell my congregation all the time that i am a man of integrity but I'm imperfect, just like everybody else is. And so from time to time, I may solve a problem incorrectly, or mm-hmm. I may not make the right decision. Mm-hmm. But, but you can count on one thing, and every one of you all can keep me accountable. You will never, ever find a time where this husband will cheat on his wife. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just not going to happen. Okay. And so okay. all of you all are empowered to keep me accountable. Another okay. example I use okay. is, with, with, is with the men. Um, our guys know that I love to drink a lot of water. I'm, I'm, I believe in keeping the body hydrated because in America, because of our standard American diet, um, uh, uh, many of us uh, are sick and in hospital simply because we're just dehydrated. And so we don't, we don't teach this in school. But I, I tell people all the time in my sphere of influence that I'm very conscious about the perception that people have of me. And if I'm very, real thirsty and, I, and I'm just going into the store just to buy a bottle of water, I will not go into a liquor store to buy that bottle of water. Because if you see me walk out with something in a brown bag, you're going to assume that it's an alcoholic beverage. And you know I don't uh-huh. drink alcohol. Okay. All it is is a bottle of water. But I'm mm-hmm. conscious about the perception, and I need you all to keep me accountable to make sure mm-hmm. I don't. So make sure that I don't go in places where I know I'm not supposed to be. Okay. And so that that and and so people have to be comfortable to speak truth into your life. If you're not comfortable to mm-hmm. speak truth to me, then you can't be an accountability partner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. That's so. All that's right. what that is. All right, and then so your third suggestion, strategy, step in. Yeah, so here here's the last develop. one, and and this one <laughs> this one is so simple, Doctor Geneva, but it's mm-hmm. something that I think we overlook. Okay. Um, God God created us, and He gave us one mouth, and He gave us two ears. So we need to learn as leaders to be phenomenal listeners. We have okay. to step it up an ante in listening to people. Because mm-hmm. when we listen to people, we understand people. And understanding people precedes leading them. Mm-hmm. And so if, if we could, and society doesn't teach us that. Society doesn't teach us how at all how to be great listeners. You don't learn any of that in school. You don't mm-hmm. learn any of that in college. Um, you don't learn that in vocational schools. It, it, it's a skill that we have to develop. We have to consciously develop it through our leadership training, how to be great listeners. And mm-hmm. when you're a great listener, and when you, I'm telling you, when you hear people out, they feel valued. They feel Absolutely. that you care. And when people feel like you care, now you have their attention and you can affect some influence on them. Because at the end of the day, this is what John Maxwell teaches, when it's all said and done, leadership is really all about influence. Uh, being able to influence people uh, is evident through your leadership skills. And if you, if you call yourself a leader, but you look behind you and, and there's no one back there, then you're, you're not leading at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kevin, I think you're so right. This aspect of listening and hearing um, and understanding, because it's, it's, it's about hearing but also understanding as well. Uh, this is one of the topics that, uh, you know, just always generates great discussion because I think leaders um, always search for the, the best way to listen to hear and understand what others are saying. How did how did you how did you learn to be? Would you consider yourself a great listener? And if so, how did you become one? 
Uh, I'm I'm still working on it, Doctor Geneva. I, I mean, I mm-hmm. really am. As I as I I'm a continual learner. I, I love okay. learning. I'm I'm like a child whose brain is still soaking up um, all of this water. You know, we we always equate a child's brain to a sponge that sucks up water. That's the way mm-hmm. I was made, and that's something okay. that you know. Even at my age, I'm still I still have a huge thirst and hunger for knowledge. That that's why I love the Bible so much because there's there's so many leadership nuggets in the Bible. So I'm okay. I'm still working on it. I'm still learning. I'm getting better, uh, and I'm finding that uh, the more I listen to people, the more I truly do value them, and the more I value them. Uh, the more I actually understand what's going on in their lives, which may be contributing to the decisions that they're making and the actions that they're taking. So it's teaching me to be more sympathetic uh, Mm -hmm. and also putting me in a position where I can actually do more counseling and more ministry Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and helping to inspire them because you get to know people so much better when you when you zip up the lips and open up the ears. And Mm -hmm. also it teaches us Mm -hmm. by being a better listener – you ask provoking questions and also open-ended questions so that they, on the other end, they can't respond with a simple yes or no. It's an open-ended question, so it's requiring them to elaborate and articulate what's on their mind without feeling threatened, uh, without feeling badgered, uh, and without feeling uh, like, they're, like, it's, like it's demeaning. It, it's almost like, wow. This person is actually listening to me, so I'm going to open up even more, and and we're able to get much more done. And and I'm finding more and more and more every day that that's another characteristic and attribute of a good leader. And, and so that's what we teach, and that's what we implement. And, of course, as a teacher, I always like to be the example that people can see uh, and that they can witness because a lot of what we do as leaders is not always verbal. Uh, oftentimes it's picked up in your actions and it's picked up in the content of your character. So all of that encompasses uh, leadership uh, in terms of what we teach and what we practice and, and, and what we try to instill in others. Well, I know, Kevin, you've um, written, you know, many books that, you know, primarily focus on, on leadership and and what you've been talking about this this um, uh, uh, this necessity um, for leaders to be uh, learners, lifelong learners, have this uh, thirst for knowledge, continual learning. Um, to to you know this whole aspect of self development, you know, getting to know yourself. Uh, I love when you talked about the toughest person to lead often is yourself and. And then this whole aspect about listening and um, uh, being a phenomenal listener is important for leaders. How, you know, as you as you write your books, as you do your uh, speaking, um, as you do your coaching, uh, how do you how do you approach uh, young leaders or? Um, I, I know you're interested in developing this legacy of leaders. How, how do you how do you approach them? What do you say to to young people or to individuals who are uh, on a leadership journey or want to get on a leadership journey? What do you say to them? How do you convince them that they too can be a leader? Um, Basically, just just meeting them at their at their need. So, you know, young people in today's society are a, a lot different than many of us who are much older. We have four generations of people in society right now. We 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 have we have our traditionalists who uh, who were born before um, forty six, and then we have a group of people that were. Uh, the baby boomers between 46 and 64, and then we have our millennials, and then we have our our, our Gen Xers. We're all together here uh, in society at the same time. We're in the workplace, we're in the church, we're everywhere. And so I meet them at their need, um, our our, our next generation of leaders, because not everybody even understands what that means. And so Mm -hmm. just asking basic questions, starting with what is it that you would like to do? 
for example, mm-hmm. when you graduate mm-hmm. from college? Uh, what what mm-hmm. what track are you on now? What what part of the country are you from? Kind of kind of starting out with uh, a sincere interest in them as a person, and then having them to kind of navigate the conversation along the way to move into leadership and what it may be may mean to be a leader. Because at that tender mm-hmm. age. Uh, everyone's not necessarily thinking in those terms. So I would start out with okay. just meeting them where they are, asking mm-hmm. some basic questions. And this is what we did this past weekend with the mentoring circle, helping oh, them okay. to understand, helping them to understand, you know, from our perspective, what their next step in life. If they're a senior in college, for example, they're about mm-hmm. twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two years of age. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, what's core on their mind is just getting a job so they can pay off right. those student loans. Uh-huh. But having that conversation, um, you know, depending on what their major is, helping them to understand, well, you know, maybe in five years, perhaps, you can start working in this particular area and this occupation that would set you on a path towards. And so having a conversation like that, as opposed to just hitting them off the bat and talking about leadership, because that might mm-hmm. not even be forefront on their mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you had mentioned before this whole importance of um, knowing yourself, uh, you know, developing yourself. So that fits right into what you're suggesting where you would start with the exactly. Of, yeah, fits fits right in. So, so Kevin, what you got coming up? What um, um, you know, you mentioned your mentoring circle. And mm-hmm. you just had that this weekend. Um, right. What 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 big projects do you have on the horizon? A new book, perhaps, or and where can people? How do people connect with you? You know, kind of meet okay. you live. Yep, absolutely. Well, um, if you haven't picked it up in my voice, Doctor Geneva, I'm just excited about everything that's going on. I'm just I'm just <laughs> super excited. I, I love life. Um, you know, m- life is multifaceted, and um, I get a good night's sleep at night, and I get up the next morning, and I'm back at it again. Mm-hmm. Um, my Give God the Glory series, I've been writing that book series now for the past 15 years. This is a series of nonfiction books. Uh, they're all titled Give God the Glory, but each one has a slightly different subtitle. For all of your listeners out there, uh, you can just go directly to my website at writingforthelord.com. dot com. The the ministry is Writing for the Lord Ministries, so writingforthelord.com. dot uh, com. You can just go there and get uh, access to all of the books in the Give God the Glory series, plus the other books that I have contributed to. I'm also a contributing author to a number of other different books as well, and and we really address what it means to give God the glory through our personal relationships, through our family, uh, while we're at work on the job. Um, also in the church, and then while we're at rest and relaxation. And so uh, I've been writing that for the past 15 years, and we've picked up over the years 19 uh, literary awards from a number of different mm. organizations. So it's been, it's been, a, it's been, yeah, it's been phenomenal, and it's, it's, it's mm. been a true blessing. Mm-hmm. In terms of my ministry, what I've done, <clears throat> excuse me, is I've transitioned a lot of this literacy because I've always had a burden for people uh, to really truly understand how important it is to be literate and to understand the dynamics of literacy, because around the world there are so many people who aren't where we are in the United States. And so um, coming up on the 21st of May next month, uh, I'm hosting at my church in Maryland um, our 2016 Authors Explosion. And we, we have local and regional authors to come in, and we partner with the county school system and the county library and a number of different um, sponsors and and organizations and businesses in the area. And all day we get together and we promote literacy. We have workshops going on in the sanctuary. We have authors downstairs in Fellowship Hall. Uh, It's community-wide. Everybody's open. It's free. And we, uh, it's family-friendly, so we have the children outside. Uh, they're playing in the moon bounce and having games. We have a gospel concert. It's on May 21st, and uh, it's, a, it's a big, huge event. And um, the, name, the name of the church is, um, is, is Akakeek First Church of God, so it's A-C-C-O-K-E-E-K 
First Church of God. If 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 they just Google that, that'll take you right to the website, and uh, you can get some information on that as well. But now that I'm partnered with John Maxwell, uh, we're we're now expanding into the area of mentoring, and coaching, and teaching all about leadership through lunch and learns, um, through um, mentorship, through roundtables. Uh, through all different types of venues, keynote speaking, workshops, seminars, etc., because I've been certified now on an international level. So in addition to the United States, we also have events going on in um, Turks and Caicos, in the U.K., uh, in mm-hmm. Kenya, Africa. Uh, this summer we'll be in Brazil for the Summer Olympics, mm-hmm. and, al- and also in Haiti as well. So, again... You know, how how did all of this get started? All of this got started because every person who's listening to me right now has goals, dreams, and aspirations. Every one of us should think big. The key is to get ourselves surrounded by like-minded people who catch the vision that God has given us to help us come to fruition. So I thank my wife, I thank my children, I thank my parents, and I thank a whole host of friends um, who have come along my side to help me to achieve what I've achieved. And so now my part is to do the same to other people who I come in contact with. And that's what I live for. I wake up every day with a huge desire to make a positive impact in the lives of people that I meet uh, all around the world. This is not this is not just in the United States, but God has given me an international platform and my, my my desire deep down in my heart is to see other people motivated and inspired to chase that dream and that goal and that aspiration that's in their heart, but they may not know how to get there. They may not know what to do, uh, and and that's where I come alongside them to help them out. That that's my that's my personal mission, that's my life mission, and uh, that's what it's all about. So again, the website is is uh, writingforthelord.com, and the email address is Kevin at writingforthelord.com. People can get in touch with me that way. But in addition to what, what's been happening on the government side and what's happening in ministry and what will continue to happen, now with this partnership with John Maxwell, we're going to be doing some additional things as well, and I'm just super, super excited about it. Well, you know, it's, it is truly awesome, awesome, all the wonderful work that you're doing and and this latest collaboration with John Maxwell um, just sounds so exciting and and really takes your uh, leadership, uh, your influence, because uh, that is what leadership's about, your influence to the next level and um, just really leaves uh, a legacy uh, for the work that you do. And, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, definitely, and, and one one of the reasons why I pursued it and one of the reasons why I'm so grateful now that we have the partnership is because I knew it would add additional credibility to the work that I'm doing because he's been doing it for so long, and he's, like I said, he's known all over the world as the number one leadership guru. And so mm-hmm. I, was very, I was very careful in my selection in terms of getting involved, and likewise, they are, they are too. They're very, they're very careful in terms of their selection, so... I'm at a point in my life where it's, I've actually been there for a while. It's not about me at all. It's about how I can serve others to be all that God created them to be. Because I'm very clear about my life mission, very clear. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I, have, mm-hmm. I have no doubt. So my job now, and has been for a number of years, is to help other people to fulfill their dreams and their goals and their aspirations. And, and, and that's what I get up every day to do. And that truly is your legacy, your leadership legacy. Kevin Wayne Johnson, thank you so much. Uh, our guest has been uh, just just awesome in sharing with us a number of tips and strategies to be a leader. Uh, these golden nuggets of, of wisdom and ideas and thoughts all of which are inspiration, Kevin. I just very much appreciate you being with us and best of everything to you. Um, I think you've inspired many of us. I, I, again, I there were so many wonderful things you shared with us. I particularly love 
the uh, idea of an accountability partner as well as the toughest person to lead is oftentimes yourself. And and for those of you in our listening audience who want to keep up with Kevin, you can on his website. And we just love it, love it, love it. And best of luck with your mentoring circles. And join us next time when our guest will be Tanya Allen, president of the Children's Foundation. Thanks for tuning in to Dr. Geneva Speaks. Dr. Geneva Williams, an expert facilitator and leadership coach, lecturer, and keynote speaker. For more information on Dr. Geneva, visit her online at www.drgenevaspeaks.com. That's drgenevaspeaks.com.